conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Previously on Welcome to Geekdom, we discussed five seasons of Lost, none of which Richard was present for, but today I am joined by Richard Cullen, Nick Ball, Shane Connard, and Becky Rice, and I don't know what's going to happen, but we're supposed to talk about Lost Season 6, so hopefully that happens. Richard, since you are new here, Hi. how are you doing? How do you feel about Lost? This is the worst season for me to finally get on this podcast to discuss, because I have not seen this season since it first aired in, what, 2010? So I'm going to try and remember all of this from memory from one single watch when I was in a completely different time of my life. So what could possibly go wrong? If it makes you feel better, I watched this in December of 2020, and I already don't know if I remember what happened. That's fair enough, because I remember this season being batshit crazy, not making any sense, and jumping about 17 sharks. Yep, that sounds about right. It, it is going to be especially hard for Richard to remember, because, of course, like Richard Alpert, he has been around since the 1800s. <laughs> only a small part of his life. That is also true. I am incredibly old and I've lived a very long, hard life. All Richards are immortal on this podcast. Hell yeah, we are. Shout out to the Richard fandom. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, you watched this more recently than everyone else here. You finished it, what, a few days before we're recording this? Yeah, I think I finished this, yeah, like three days ago. And this is going to be the most difficult conversation I've had about anything. <laughs> Becky, what are your general feelings about Lost Season 6? So I like it more than most people like it. And I am a Season 6 apologist. And I am really excited to talk about why this show is the best show ever and why if you say that you don't like the ending that you're wrong. Okay. Sounds fun. I'm sure we all have thoughts on this ending for (laughs) sure. But before we get there, I want to briefly talk about the fact that they are still introducing new characters in the show's final season who are very important to the story. The main one being, I guess, the man in black. This is like the most we get of him. And we are not talking about Johnny Cash, unfortunately. That would have made more sense. Right? I think so, too. I mean, I'm glad Titus Welliver was getting getting work for this, but... I didn't even make note of his name. I was just like, Jacob's twin is the man in black. (laughs) So that's how well this season went for me. Nick, do you have any thoughts on the man in black? So I wasn't here for the season five episode. We get a lot. We get a lot of Jacob near the end of season five. Do we get much man in black in season five? I don't think we get any. I don't think we see him at all until that opening shot on the beach. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that people I think rightly criticize season six for and the man in black stuff is among that we'll, we'll get into it I don't know the, the I found myself biting my tongue in an early episode I accidentally said to you Deanna when we were talking about the shades of all the characters I, I talked I accidentally said this show does not like to divide it between good and bad white and black and then sat there in shame because it literally does in the last season. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
I think I think I said that and then texted. We have a spoiler chat that excludes Deanna, so that we can talk about things that happen later. And I texted them like I, I fucked up so bad. Well, there are there are only fifty shades of gray, and they ran out of those shades. <laughs> yeah. They had to go to black and white. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Season six is. I, I think I've seen it through twice, and it's you know I think by that it's not my favorite. I've seen the rest of the show three or four times, depending on season. The man in black, what can you say about it? He's he's in a wine bottle. You turn it upside down. If you take out the cork, he's gone. <laughs> it's, a, it's a metaphor we all we all know and love. Wait, what? Do you not remember this? I don't remember that bit. I know he had a cabin in the woods and it was surrounded in <laughs> a circle of ash. <laughs> I believe Jacob is ex- explaining what the smoke monster is and he's got a bottle and he turns it upside down and the water doesn't fall out, but he takes the cork out and he says, this is what happens if you let the smoke monster leave the island. And make it, Yeah, because yeah, the smoke monster was a security system to keep the man in black there, right? It's a metaphor and it makes sense, okay? It makes sense. We didn't, th- we didn't think about it twice. I was kind of surprised by how shoehorned a lot of the stuff felt in season six, because you get this entire background of the man in black and Jacob as children and their mother who is not their mother. And it just felt so out of place because you knew, at least by the time I was watching it, that the show was going to be ending. I don't know if that was something that was announced like before season six or during season six when it was airing week to week. But it felt like they had this whole lore that they wanted to tell, and they kind of just rushed it all in season six instead of giving us more of that throughout the other five seasons as well. Well, that's something I do remember, Deanna. They knew it was going to end in season three during the writer's strike. Okay. They came back from they came back from that writer's strike six episode gap that they had, and they're like, "Cool, it's going to be six seasons, six seasons in a movie." but we don't need the movie. And so they knew what they were doing. So that's it's weird that you feel that six, season six rushes all the lore into these, what, 18 episodes when they had three years to plan this. Yeah, Becky, feel- since you love season six, I, love yeah. might be a strong word, but you'd like it more than I think the rest of us might. Probably. Did you feel like it was rushed or am I just crazy? So I will say that I haven't watched season six in a while because I was going to rewatch it with you guys, but I've been sleeping really well. Thanks to my Brooklyn and betting as we discussed on last episode, but use promo code. The, the smoke <laughs> monster is in a bottle of wine. And if you take the cork out, then the smoke monster's out for 20% off. That's a long promo code <laughs> for, for four, eight, 15, 16, 23 or 42% off. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Spin that wheel, baby. Good bit, Nick. I wish that I actually knew what my promo thing was because I do have a promo thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was not prepared <laughs> for that. I should have been. Tweet me. Tweet me. Ask me. I'll send you a link. I'll send you my referral link. Like, let's go. Anyway, I don't feel like it's rushed. I just feel like it doesn't give you everything. And I think that there are things that, like, shows or movies where like everything gets like completely explained or like, like in the matrix when they're like, and this is how everything works. (laughs) And so I think it forces us to when like, we're watching other things, we expect answers to like every single section of something, but I don't know. Life's not like that. Like you don't always get all of the answers. And so while it's a little bit unsatisfying and a little bit like 
leaves some open endings, like just existing is like that. And I think that when I watched the show at first, I did kind of feel like, oh, why doesn't all of this get explained? But then after having rewatched it, because I've seen this show like three times, okay, <laughs> having rewatched it, but then also just having gotten like older um, and then just thought about the show a lot. I don't feel like I'm missing those things anymore. I mean, I do feel like they're missing, but I don't feel shortchanged by it. Like you need the answers? Yeah. Like now I'm able to look at it and just be like, yeah, sometimes life is like that. Like you just don't, you don't know every single thing. So you get enough of it to help you like kind of like understand what the island is, where the island went, where these people went, like what happened, but not so much that it removes the mystery from it. Um, And the biggest reason I struggled with that up front is because I went into this whole show being like, yeah, sci-fi, let's go. And it very like, it kind of pivots away from that and a little bit and it pivots hard away from that in this season. And it becomes much more like spiritual, mystical mumbo jumbo, Mm -hmm. which is not my bag typically, but yeah, I like it. I think that where the frustration might stem from for a lot of people is the balance that season tricks, season six tries to have because you have the Island stuff, you have the Island backstory stuff, And then you have the flash sideways stuff, which doesn't seem to be very important when you're watching it. Mm -hmm. So it's you're cramming in a lot of ancient island lore. Like instead of doing what is happening on the island interspliced with short backstories of each character, you're doing what is currently happening on the island spliced with ancient island lore spliced with what is happening in an alternate universe. And I think it it seems like you're telling three overall stories instead of one overall story with some background. Would you have gotten rid of the lore then? Like if, if you could make this show like in your perfect way, right? Like, would you do that? I, I, so, so I have an opinion that we'll get to that I think will align with you a little bit, Becky. I, I don't hate the flash sideways stuff. I think I love I think it. There, I think there's an interesting way to look at that. I think the island lore is my least favorite part of this. Yeah. I think if you're going to go so hard in the flash sideways, you got to go less hard in what's still happening on the island, or or just cut the cut the island lore. And if I'm not mistaken, Shane, maybe you know the answer to this since you just watched it recently, but don't they dedicate one full episode to the backstory of Jacob, the man in black, their mom, and the island lore that way too? Because I remember I was watching it and I was like, okay, they're not cutting back and forth. And I think it was episode 15 maybe, which is so close to the end. I was like, it just felt a little jarring for them to suddenly sort of change things up that way. It's so jarring. I, I don't, it's like three episodes before the ending or the third to last episode or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it's just an entire episode dedicated to this strange island backstory. That's only so informative as much information as you get. It kind of just seems to open up more questions. <laughs> yeah. I feel like all you get is that they're brothers and there's, conflict between them. Like, <laughs> yeah. You get the source of the conflict, but that doesn't really matter. But you already know that there's conflict between them. 
Yeah, they dress them in different colors. It's a lot of filler that doesn't necessarily add a ton to the lore either. And, you know, Richard, do you remember watching these episodes and being like, why are they doing this now? Okay, I've got a few points for this. Like, Nick, what you were saying about them rush, um, trying to cram in the lore and the flash sideways and the island stuff. Watching this season at the time, the frustration, like from myself and a lot of my friends, was we don't need we don't need to see this flash sideways stuff because it feels meaningless and it feels like we're treading old ground. Right. The, the island stuff was you know cool and like built upon like how season five ended and like the backstory, the lore, and all this with Jacob and the Man in Black. I could have happily have done with flash backwards, if that's what we want to call them. There may be a proper name for them, but the flash backwards. They were great. The island stuff was great. Scrub the flash sideways because it eventually is completely meaningless. And maybe in your final two episodes, you could cram all of that, like, spoiler alert, afterlife, hey, we're dead, all the long <laughs> stuff, in, into the finale, and it'd be a big reveal. Speaking of the, the fact that they are dead at the end, we will probably talk about this later, but my God, the fury about them being <laughs> dead at the end is unparalleled um and then i had something to say about across the sea but i've already forgotten what it was that <laughs> shane said about about that episode i had a point on that one it might come back to me i mean maybe this is where we get into it so i think they just fumble that ending so badly because i think the interesting way to to do the flash sideways is because the way i see it is End of season five, they detonate the atom bomb, right? Mm-hmm. Great ending. The H-bomb. Uh, H-bomb, sorry. Yeah, they detonate the H-bomb, it destroys the island in the 70s. So what the flash sideways is, is the alternate universe where the island was destroyed in the 70s. Right. It's all of their lives either untouched by the island or in cases where everybody's dads are intertwined. It's a little bit different. They're touched by the island, but the island's gone. But they have to still find each other. Right. And so this allows them to do that. So like the flash sideways are super important. Just thinking about those flash sideways, I know I just said they were irrelevant, but you reminding me that they blew up the island in the 70s and that's what the flash sideways were. Does that actually make all the flash forwards, flash Backs, the flashbacks in all the prior seasons are relevant because now the flash sideways is actually technically the correct timeline because if it blew up in the 70s, they never went to the island. Exactly, which is why I think, yeah, I think the flash sideways are interesting that way. And especially as Becky mentioned coming to the show thinking it's a big sci-fi thing, that is, I think, an interesting premise. It's just like... Suddenly, last season of the show, these people are leaving, living totally different lives. And I mean, obviously, we've got the con- the connections with all the creators with Fringe later on, but it- it's a similar idea there. It's an interesting premise that is completely fumbled by all the spiritual stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. So what I was going to say with Shane's comment about Across the Sea and uh, it raising more, more questions and not giving you answers, I was going to bring up the example of Fringe which I think aired maybe a year after Lost had ended. Don't quote me on that. I think that's right. I felt like with Fringe, like you were given, you were given questions for like five, six episodes, but then you would get answers a few episodes later. Like they were raising questions, but then say, answering those same 
questions within the same season. And there was like a whole overarching season mystery that they would still then solve at the end of the season. And then they would go off and like kind of expand upon that and then build a whole world. And I love Fringe. Deanna, watch Fringe. It was so much better than Lost. (laughs) I have more homework now. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a good balance between like Lost mysteries, but uh, a through arc that's followed through like, it's like a Lost closer to x-files though exactly i think it's a really well done show it started in 2008 by the way richard okay fringe came on before lost was done but it was the same with a bunch of writers and a bunch of crew so i think they probably learned from lost on how people want to see mysteries but they also need to get those answers that you can't string them along for six years and then never fucking answer the question or just make some bullshit up. So they overlapped a little. So JJ was a very busy man. Well, I mean, I think JJ admitted that after a couple of seasons, he wasn't that involved with Lost. Fair. Yeah, he just like created like the idea. Real quick, since I know I was previously asked for predictions, I think it was season two or season three when we were discussing one of those. Shane and Nick, I know you two in particular were interested in what I had to say. And I don't know what made me say that there was like an alternate timeline and that they were all dead. But at the same time, I'm almost a little bummed that I was right. That was a big, I mean, yeah. But you're not right. Like they're not dead the whole time. So I think that that's a reason that people like get frustrated with this show is because they look at it and they go, oh, they were just dead the whole time? Like, that's a cop-out. But they're not dead the whole time. Well, they weren't dead the whole time. It's just the ending where Christian's like, oh, yeah, you're all dead. Well, yeah, because people die. It's a bit of a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too ending, though, because they said, they flat-out said they are not dead when everyone was like, it's season one. Oh, yeah, it's purgatory. They're like, no, it's not purgatory. Fine, it wasn't purgatory in the end. But to then end the show with those flash sideways, being fucking purgatory that's what i think pissed a lot of people off was they kind of said it's not this but they still did it anyway they weren't lying in season one but it ended up being the answer in season six so yeah yeah but i don't think it's even an answer it's just a thing that happens like people people die like people do die like not everybody except except for people called richard except for richards (laughs) what we are immortal remember Uh, I was reacting to people die. (laughs) (laughs) We don't like to think about the death of Nick on on this podcast. People die, and not everybody that's there at the end, they don't all die at the same time. Some of them died, like, before the bomb. Some of them died afterwards. Some of them died shortly afterwards. Some of them were, like, long afterwards. Like, No, I get get that. And I don't have a problem with everyone on the island eventually dying because, as you say, people die. But I think it's like the reaction at the time was, oh, death was the answer. Or like this whole last season was about them having already been dead. And the creators had spent the first two seasons like, it's definitely not purgatory. We're not going to end it with them all dying or revealing that they're all dead. I think they just kind of threw people kind of the wrong way because they basically did what they said it wasn't, but they did it in a way that made sense and people kind of took it the wrong way. And I think they could have just come up, they could have come up with a better fucking ending and it would have been less less drama and it would have been a better season overall. I agree. I think they could have done the full flash sideways thing with everybody being dead in the timeline that we have known for the previous five seasons without it being, 
you're in a church and you, you all had to find each other to let go. I, I think it wouldn't have been as hated with a better literal last few moments. My issue with it is that you, you could have done the, the the flash sideways stuff and had the same outcome and just done less of it. But instead, they took this opportunity to kind of do this like kind of egregious fan fiction like ooh, we're going to make I don't know, like I like as much as I like the the Sawyer Miles cop episodes and like oh Shane can hear me and Becky revving up to say he's wrong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm forward in my chair. If they, if they had more time, it'd be fine. It just feels like that's why we got these weird rushed episodes. That's why we get this kind of bizarre uh, Richard's past episode that. You're just like, all right, we're just going to we're going to reveal all of the mysteries that we've kind of created around this guy in one quick little episode because we've only got a few left now. That episode ruled, by the way. Cutting the flash sideways isn't the answer. I think the answer is cutting, cutting all of the like man in black island lore, like cutting that stuff. And then that way, the two things. Right. Because I think we're all in agreement that like the problem is that they were trying to do two things and or three things in this season. And they really only had like bandwidth to do two things. So I think that instead of canning the flash sideways stuff, you can the man in black stuff, you can the like Island lore, like that stuff. And then that gives you not a ton, but just a little bit more room to either one additional flash sideways or one additional, like what's happening on the Island right now, or just something that like helps better explain. Because I, for me, what I, noticed in talking to people about lost is not always there's clearly exceptions but the majority of people who very strongly hate the ending versus people who are either okay with it or don't mind it as badly or or possibly even like it the difference is about when they watched it and people who watch the show as it was airing from what i've noticed are much more likely to have like strong like anti season six reactions but i wasn't that way (laughs) No, no, the, I, the I, island I, lore is the best. That's stuff. what I mean by like not every time. My my thing with that is they already had the smoke monster and they they already had that story going since season one, and they could have rounded that out better. But instead, we never like again. I'm sorry, we never needed the the flash sideways with the seven like with the the alternate timeline if if the bomb didn't go off. I agree, Shane. It's all about that, the lore and the answering of the questions that people have had since season one, like with regards to what is the island and the smoke monster and the others and who Richard is and and all this kind of stuff. That's what people at the time were wanted to have answered. So the flash sideways are 100% the thing you would cut from this season if you wanted to then try and do two things. I guess I get that. It's yeah. just that the answer for the island stuff is less satisfying to me than most of the flash sideways stuff yes oh yeah if if you take out the flash sideways the season doesn't have an emotional through line so they would have to come up with something else or put something on the island to make it all work but the flash sideways is what you would lose if you wanted to yeah i mean if you don't get desmond running over Locke, what do you get (laughs) (laughs) absolutely nothing (laughs) my scottish heart Uh, becky i do get that you know it wasn't that they were dead the whole time. And, you know, when we were talking about predictions, I kind of just 
passingly made the comment that they're dead. And I think my issue with the ending in particular is that it's not like they grew old and died. It's like they all died the age they were when the plane crashed on the island, roughly, in either timeline, it seems. Well, that's because they didn't want to spend money on making them look older with makeup. So they just died at how they looked. And I'm pretty sure not everyone was there at the end. Or if Aaron was there, I did not see Aaron. Sorry, I was muted and getting another beer and I ran back here uh, to comment on this. Um, <laughs> so I think that is, again, just tied to the, regardless of what you like of this season or not, the just piss poor final moments. Because I don't, even if what they're doing is getting everybody and they're remembering and they're letting themselves go. It doesn't make sense to have some of them, not all of them. It doesn't make sense to have Christian there telling them they're dead. It's just that final moment that sucks. Yeah. And I think it, it just taints the, the entire flash sideways for a lot of people because. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that Shannon or Boone isn't there because they didn't like, <laughs> there was contractual arguments i think over one of them i can't remember which one it is and that's why they're not there and it's like they tried to have that moment which is like all these people on the island they went through this thing they're here in church but like it doesn't work if you can't get everybody because i don't think vincent's there either because all of a sudden he's you know he's now a grown adult and not the 10 year old boy he was at season you one you mean walt not the dog i, I think you mean walt <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a new development I missed. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wait, who, who, who's Vincent? The dog. The dog. Yes, I do. I do, I do. Yeah, I know that. But yes, I mean, well, it's just weird they want to have this, like, everyone come together, but they can't actually get everybody together because they've fallen out with half of the fucking cast. Like, Mr. Echo, I don't believe, is there. Like, Anna Lucia is not there. Don't um, drink yeah. and drive. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> I think Anna Lucia you, is have there. you guys talked about the fact that those characters were killed like a week after they got arrested for drink driving in Do Hawaii? You don't listen to the show. I, I've been busy, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> hell. I, I, I think it's been brought up several times, but I don't think we've ever like gone in and talked about it. But, but yeah. <laughs> okay. God, so trying to make sure. Okay. So is there anything else anyone wants to bring up about the ending in particular? Obviously, we're going a little out of order, but I think once we talk through the ending here, we can sort of start going through other events that happened in the season. I think it should have ended with everybody, uh, every household that watches Lost getting personalized mail. And when you <laughs> open it, and when you open it up, it's a copy of your own birth certificate, but it says that Christian Shepherd is your father. <laughs> Brilliant marketing, Nick. I love it. Did they all meet Christian in some form? By the end? If there was an outstanding question, the answer was either Christian Shepherd or Locke's dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, and Locke's dad was Christian Shepherd. No. No. <laughs> it was Anthony <a> Cooper. <laughs> Don't tell Locke who his dad is. Don't tell him what he can't do either. <laughs> yeah. Tell me who my dad is. Don't tell me who my dad is. <laughs> Don't tell me what my dad do. <laughs> <laughs> what that dad do. Speaking of Locke, do we want to dive into his story? Because as Shane pointed out before, there are two locks. Two locks this time. That's a lot of lock time. going on. How do we feel about Locke 
as the smoke monster. Becky? Wait, am I can't now I, now I'm not sure if I'm misremembering. He isn't. It's not Locke, but it is Locke. It ain't Locke, but it's Locke. It it ain't Locke in Locke's body. Thank God we don't have to worry about spoilers anymore and we now we can just like <laughs> <laughs> let it all out, Nick. <laughs> Okay. It's contractually obligated lock because they couldn't afford Titus Welliver for that amount of episodes. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying. Becky, the way it was explained is that it was the smoke monster and the smoke monster took over Locke's body because Locke was dead. Jeremy Bentham's body, in quotes, body was on the second flight to crash on the island when they brought when they came back after Locke's funeral in the real world. Right. And the smoke monster took over his body, much like he did to Christian Shepherd's body when uh, his coffin crashed on the island in the first flight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's not Locke. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe the real Locks are the smoke monsters we made along the way. <laughs> but Locke was always supposed to be the smoke monster. But then he picked the ninth. Well, that was him always being the smoke monster, I feel like. Was it? Is that really what you think, or are you doing some yoga here? It's like how the man in black went over and joined the other village so that he could he could dig into the island secrets more or whatever. It's like the same obsession that Locke had. And it's just like Locke was always supposed to be Smoke Monster, and, and Jack was always supposed to be Jacob. Oh, symbolically. Symbolically. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought you were trying to convince me that the whole time – Locke was destined to be the smoke monster, but instead he picked this wrong thing and then he didn't. Okay. Ooh, what you just said makes way more sense than what I thought you were saying. That's why I was asking about the yoga. <laughs> yeah. Jake, Jacob and, and men in black are, are like, are like the very obvious like yin and yang. And, and, and that's the same thing between Jack and Locke. And you get that throughout the whole, they're them fighting. You get that throughout the whole show. I think that that is one of the most successful reveals of season six is when you find out that Locke is the man in black is the smoke monster and uh-huh. has been since that plane crashed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you get so few real successful payoffs in season six that I think that one deserves a lot of credit because it's been going on since season five and they've had the patience to tell you about it. Surprising for this show. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know where the name Jeremy Bentham comes from? The philosopher? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just curious. I, just, I was just curious if you guys like had picked up on any of those kind of philosophical connections. This literally came up again in something that I was watching the other day, and I was like, oh, Jeremy Bentham. It's Locke. <laughs> right, but certainly that's the only name that of any significance in the show. Oh, yeah, like no other name means anything at all. They're just no. random <laughs> grab bags of names, you know, Rousseau, <laughs> oh, all that kind of stuff. If these names had been important, then you would know that, Richard, because you would have heard us talk about the importance of the names and maybe say, I don't know, the first episode. <laughs> Which we don't do. Wait, listen to this podcast when I'm not on it? That's crazy talk. I think it's crazy for people to listen to it when they are on it. Oh, Don't listen to her. Keep listening to this podcast. Buy Brooklyn and Bedding. Go to the Olive Garden. And drink red wine. <laughs> Buy a Casper mattress. Do all of the things. Avocado. <laughs> Philly. Becky throwing in a plug that is not a podcast <laughs> joke, but is a Sonic the Hedgehog joke. Love it. 
<laughs> so is it safe to say that all of us are kind of in agreement with the payoff for Locke's story and how that sort of built up and ended aside from the actual ending? Yes, good job. Solid. Solid work. Medium job. I mean, I know I, I, know I, I was the one who just said it was well done. I also hate John Locke. Well, yes. <laughs> Wait, do you hate John Locke the philosopher or do you hate John Locke the character? Because he's the best character on this show, apart from Desmond and uh, Faraday. Okay, he's the third best character on this show. Ooh, I disagree a lot with that. Yeah, I disagree too. Ooh. Y'all going to fight me. Well, the, the thing is, the sh- we've talked a lot on on these podcasts about the Jack versus Locke thing. And the thing is, he, Locke looks good because he's against Jack, who sucks. But Locke also mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. Jin and Sun remain MVPs. Yes. MVPs. Yeah. Oh, please. Oh, Richard, are you fucking kidding me right now? Where were you for five seasons? I know. I wish I'd been on all of these. I'm sorry that I had loads of work because I think we would have had some great arguments. Jin is pretty cool. Sun is a wet blanket. I'm sorry. Problematic opinion. Wow. Um, Anti-feminist icon Richard Cullen on the podcast. I'm sorry, I just feel like she doesn't do anything for this entire show. She's just there to be his wife. I think her flash her flashbacks in the early seasons are the best flashbacks in the show. Absolutely. Her dad is a mafia boss or something, right? He's a crime yeah. lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well she had that going um, for her at least. Dear God. <laughs> um, Richard's cancelled. Can we kick him out? <laughs> uh... The general sense is like Jin and Son are great. And, like, Jin is so rough in the first few seasons. Like, he's such a complex character that, like, you, it takes a lot of effort to defend him. And then Richard just comes on and you're like, Jin's great. Sun sucks. Well, no, Jin, like, Jin takes a few seasons, I think, to kind of get into it and become become quite a good character. But I just feel like, I mean, and also you guys have watched this way more recently than I have. I can't wait until I'm 100 years old and I can't remember things either. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just, ne- I just never warmed to Sun as a character. I'm sorry. Her name is Sun. You never warmed to the Sun? That is insane. If you're not, and I know you drink a lot of gin. Um, if if you're not remembering <laughs> season one Jin as much, I guess I get that. Like if it's all post raft, like that's a lot of just great character friendship building that you're remembering. So I get that. Yeah, I think Jin from season three onwards is a better Jin than the first two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. One of the other things this season also did to kinda throw everything up in the air was to introduce the temple and all of the people there. I was waiting for that part. Right. Eh. Shane, go for it. What What are your thoughts on the temple and the people there and the whole, we're going to torture Saeed and not really tell you why thing. They kind of tell you why, but not really. Yeah. It's like they had an idea that pivoted a few times, much like most of the ideas on the show, it seems. But it, it seems like they wanted to have some kind of temple to, to, I guess, show like how sacred of a character and how sacred of a, I don't know, of a being that Jacob is so that when it's passed down, it, it's a bigger deal. 
But I feel like we already kind of knew that. And I don't know. It just seemed like a way to kind of keep bring the, the Jacob man in black story into, into relevance just to quickly ditch it. Yeah. Anyone else have thoughts on the whole short temple storyline? I don't remember the temple at all. I'll tell you. I will tell you. I will tell you why. Is because when this aired, I had a big. I had a big holiday, and I went, you know went traveling around Europe, and I was so like obsessed with Lost at the time that I would actually download these episodes on the hotel Wi-Fi. Which like, holiday I, was it? I went to I went to Italy and Germany like and Christmas. No, I I went on vacation. All right. Was it your first time visiting Europe? <laughs> We can't do this bit on this podcast because it's from a different podcast. <laughs> but but just a little bit of it was fine. We just can't go deep into it. But anyway, I was on vacation and like Lost was airing. I was like, I can't miss an episode of season six. Like it's the final season. And I would down I downloaded the episodes on like Wi-Fi over torrent and just like watch them on the TV, you know, just ignoring the fact that I've got all this like beautiful culture out the window. I'm like, nah, fuck it. 45 minutes, it's lost time, baby. You and, ain't like, got no the- leg temple out there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And one of the episodes was the fucking temple. And you watch it and it's like, what is this random thing they're now just suddenly introducing in the final season? This is my problem, I think, with this show, is they introduce entirely new locations on the island for the last season and it's like they appear for one episode and then they're gone and they're done it's like you're making shit up at this point (laughs) you're just making it up because you've got nothing else going on for you because it doesn't matter like none of this stuff matters all of these things exist it's tv becky none of it matters and push forward these people and their growth and so it's not about what happens it's about who it happens to I just felt like this season tried to do way too much, given that it wasn't as long as the first few seasons, too. And even some of the stuff they did felt like filler, and they could have used the time better for something else. But with the, what was it, 18 episodes, and I actually watched an extended finale that had like 17 extra minutes in it that was available on Hulu. And I don't know what the original version didn't have in it but we'll start from the beginning and describe every second of the episode and we'll tell you which parts are different no thank you did the one on hulu have that ending with walt and hurley like that extra like the man in charge thing they released later i i wanted to talk about this later i was gonna wait until the end to bring this up i don't know what deanna's seeing seen about that so honestly i forgot so much of this season already that if it's not in my notes I don't really remember, (laughs) but my problem, I think, with this season was that they just, again, tried to do too much, and the fact that they brought back so many characters, because we do get Anna Lucia in this, we do get Libby at some point in this, too, so even though they don't bring back everyone, they bring back a lot of the characters and still introduce more characters, and Then you have the new characters like Elana, who were introduced in season five, I want to say, for her character in particular. And there's just so much going on that I was very easily losing track of what they were trying to get across with each of the timelines, basically. I'm sorry, I was on mute googling Elana Lost. Really? Who the fuck is Elana? 
Alana goes boom. Alana is the one who was on the Ajira flight and she like arrested Saeed. Alana go boom. Yeah. Yeah. So Alana, Alana comes in. Oh. She crashes on the on the what the third plane or whatever. The Ajira flight. Yeah. So she crashes there, and then when she when she gets there, she's with like another group of people that say that you eventually find out are there to protect the candidates, and so right. she's supposed to protect the candidates. I'm I'm on Lostpedia, and I'm looking at her right now, and I do not remember her at all. And I think that's the problem, too. Yeah, for sure. So is this where we start talking about the candidates? Go for it, Nick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, I'm one of the people who have not rewatched this in a couple of years. The candidates are basically our main characters. They're the candidates that Jacob has. He, he's created a big roulette wheel in, in a um, lighthouse mm-hmm. to decide who is going to run the island after him. Right? Yes. I think it's like protect the island, but yeah, run it yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's Jack, it's Kate, it's Sun, it's Jim, it's it's all the main characters, and they pan over it, and you see all the characters that we've lost previously. Previously, I'm lost. Previously, I'm lost. And then they're crossed out. So you know, it, it's our living characters in that timeline on the island. And I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about this. It's they're the candidates. Uh, they're the people who are alive. You go, okay. They, they, they tie it together in a way too, where, where each candidate represents one of the numbers. And so yeah. every candidate has a number and that's where you yeah. get all this representation. Numbers yeah. And it's and- like, here are their numbers. And you're like, okay, that's the answer of what the numbers are. Who cares? Like, well, you're like, okay, well, why are there eight? Why are there eight numbers and what, who are the eight candidates? And then so you don't until season five, you kind of slowly piece by piece find out who each of the eight is supposed to be. Yeah, but it's like a worse revelation of the Oceanic Six. It's like, OK, they've all got a number. Who ca- who cares? Because it's not just to who which of these six are going to get off the island. It's which of these six are going to, uh, in turn, right, like you said, protect protect the island. But I think this is one of the problems with season six is that they want to answer some of the bigger questions that fans had had about the show. Like, what do the numbers mean? I mean, if they'd never answered the numbers, we may have felt completely differently. But as Nick was saying, like, the the characters on the show were assigned a number and that's who they, you know, in a list of who might run the answer. It just feels like, Oh, we have to answer this question because people want to know, and we have we have nothing because we never thought about it back in season one. You can't tell me that in season one they when they had these numbers they were like right four is Locke, eight is Hugo, you know fifteen is um, Sawyer, and I am looking at this on on Mosspedia. I have not remembered this in the players, <laughs> but there is no way they knew that back then. I hope those are road numbers, <laughs> and, I, and I just have never noticed. But like, <sighs> that's a deep sigh. Yeah. Do they tell you why each person has the number that they have or no? I don't think no, so. Right? I think it's just a list, isn't it? It doesn't matter what number they had. Because there's not like really any like, oh no. Yeah. It's just like, it's like a numbered list. And then like, as like over time, the n- list gets narrowed down. These are the ones who end up being like the actual like slate of candidates. Right? Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I, I feel like everyone has their purpose i lost myself in my 
deep sigh earlier. What I was going to say is the the reveal of the Oceanic Six, it was done kind of piecemeal. You knew there were six of them. You were narrowing it down. You were trying to figure out who counted, who didn't. But this is like, it's all people on the island. They've all, I think everybody except Jin. I, I don't, I, again, I haven't watched this uh, recently. Like, it's like everybody has escaped and come back. Yeah. And it's like, this is your list of people that you've been following. And you're like, what are you revealing to me? It's like nothing. It's absolutely nothing. I disagree. Is there anything else that we want to discuss about what happens in, I guess we can call it the regular timeline before we jump to sort of these people's lives in the alternate timeline? No. <laughs> Sorry. That's a very firm no for me. Wow. Becky and I both on mute revving up for uh, sideways chat. Vroom, vroom, baby. I had a lot of anger issues about the Benjamin Place episode because it's in London and the only way it's like London is like because the guy's playing fucking Wonder Woman. Is the Pendulum season five or season six? I legitimately can't five. remember. Is it five? five? Okay. It's before the bomb. I should have been if I should, I should have been if it was a season five discussion. Similar to Richard, that is a big moment in my frustration with the show. Well, maybe if you guys could have been bothered to show up. Oh, we're in London. You know what we're in London for? Yeah, listen to fucking Wonderwall and a red fucking phone booth. Yeah, London. Richard and I were busy in it. Weren't you in England? I haven't been to England in a very long time. But he knows that there's more to it than Wonderwall and red phone booths. Yeah, you know, actually, to be fair, there probably isn't. I've been to England more recently than Richard has. Definitely. Let's talk alternate timeline then, because... Hell yeah, let's go. This was one of the things that I thought maybe was happening earlier in the show, but this is the season where you're like, oh yes, these are two very, very different timelines, whereas before there was the time travel and they were just kind of jumping all around. But I think that the lives that they portrayed for all of these characters, I didn't love all of them. I mean, at this point, I was very over Jack as a character, so I did not care about his alternate timeline at all, really. You didn't care about his kid? (laughs) Did you care about the tattoo he got in the old timeline? No. But he didn't care about the kid that he had. Was it a kid that he had with the mom for Modern Family? I don't even remember. Who cares? Yeah, he has a son. And his son has this, like, anxiety and, like, fear of, like, letting down his father, just like Jack had with his own father. And yet Jack gets this opportunity to live that differently. Like, which in his previous self, like, his regular timeline self would not have ended that way. Like he gets this opportunity to be like, no, like you, like you're not going to disappoint me like for who you are. If only father issues had been addressed in the show previously to this episode. We've never once talked about people's like weird relationships with their fathers (laughs) in this show. And so I think it's really interesting that for the first time we're getting to see a character really struggle or, or, or have any type of like breakthrough thought about their relationship with their father. Here's a question for you guys. When did you first realize that these were flash sideways and not 
the flashbacks. When it, when, when it occurred to you, there was a different, oh, like an alternate timeline. Episode one, it, I mean, it's LAX part one. They land at LAX. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. I thought they dragged it on <laughs> for three more episodes. But also, the way that it's like written out, it's not LAX, it's LA like SpaceX. Yeah, you're right. There is a space, it's LAX. Yeah, and so I feel like if you were watching these episodes as they came out, you just went into it watching the episode. But if you watched it when it was like on like sh- a streaming thing or something, at like a champing through it, but not necessarily like, oh, I need to complete this like super fast. Like you probably saw that because I know like for me, it like triggered something in my brain. Like, okay, like something about this is not going to be exactly what I think. Well, in that episode, too, Desmond was on the flight and sat next to Jack. And that's when I was like, oh, this isn't the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it took me a minute to realize what it was. But who wouldn't want to sit next to Desmond on the plane? I mean, oof. Calm down, Richard. (laughs) But yeah, I think they made that part fairly obvious in the first episode of this season. And then they have it unfold. Like, I really loved that Hurley owned a ton of companies and had good luck. That was just so nice to see for Hurley. Wait, can everybody just like really quickly, like, what, what is your favorite of the Flash Sideways? I think I take the easy answer just because I haven't watched it in a while. And it's obviously Desmond running over Locke with a car. (laughs) That is a fun one, too. (laughs) I haven't seen it in 10 years, but I would say the Miles and Sawyer cop team up. No, that was my my joke. That's the right answer. (laughs) Yeah, Recon rules. That episode rules. And I think that that was a missed opportunity. I would have loved to have seen that be like an actual spinoff. I was gonna say I feel like they wanted they wanted that to be a spin-off. Like if they were gonna ever do a spin-off, it would have been the Lock Sawyer team up NYPD Blues. They should have spent three seasons doing that. It, it, am I remembering it wrong or did Miles still have his uh powers in the in the in the flash sideways? I don't think he did. No? Okay. That's just my brain making it making a good TV show in my head, I guess. <laughs> Shane, yeah. what was your favorite alternate timeline? I don't know. I'm a softie. I like I like her Hurley Libby uh reunion. I like seeing Hurley happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> you just like seeing Hurley happy. Yeah, I, I like seeing Hurley happy. The 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 Linus stuff is okay. It's okay. I was actually going to say that I do like the Linus stuff. I mean, I, I joked about the Desmond interrupting and all, but I do like Locke's backstory of being like frustrated. He's not allowed to do his, he's not allowed to perform to his full capabilities because he's got a shitty office job in a wheelchair and his boss sucks. And then in this, he's like a substitute teacher and, and not doing great. And then you've got Ben with, Alex in the school and I actually think that's all I think that whole thing is pretty good I like the Ben Alex John Locke stuff a lot actually see I thought the Ben and Alex thing was a little too weird for me that may come back to my liking as though sci-fi fringe AU thing a lot okay so Becky is yours Miles and Sawyer as well probably it's probably either that or or the Hurley episode Okay. I think both of those are really good. It's definitely not the Kate one. Sorry, Nick. Okay. We haven't talked about Kate yet this episode. 
we missed we missed me talking Kate on season five. The listeners all emailed. They said, "Where's Nick talking about Kate season five? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember fucking season six. Um, Kate and Claire go on a wild cab ride. If that helps, I, I know that they went on a cab ride, but I can't remember if she's still under arrest or not. Is she escaping? She was running. Cause, yeah, because she gets in the elevator and Sawyer sees her, right? And he's a cop. So that's the whole thing there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is everyone's opinion on this podcast about Kate? Nick likes her. I'm the only one that likes Kate on this podcast. Pretty much. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with everybody else. You'll find that she's <laughs> the only one who likes, likes Kate. I'm sorry. Kate rocks. Um the I thing about know. Kate is that she is pretty, and Nick likes when the girl on the show is pretty. Oh, that's I'm not even sure she's pretty. But she is pretty. She, hmm, hmm. Claire's in this season. Claire's in this season, and she's with my friend Kate. <laughs> she, she tries to kill Kate. She's wrong like everybody else. I feel like everybody is right after the first couple seasons. Kate doesn't have a ton to do. And I think that's a failure in the writing because I think that Kate is an interesting character. And I think that Evangeline Lilly does a good job with that character. And I think it's not her fault. And I think you all owe Evangeline Lilly an apology, even if uh, she doesn't vaccinate her kids. Allegedly. I do not owe Evangeline Lilly an apology. I would apologize to fictional character Kate before I would apologize to her. I'll take that. Please apologize to fictional character Kate. Dear fictional character Kate, this is Becky. I'm sorry for what I said about you being boring. You are very pretty and Nick loves you. But you are boring. I almost said this signed the cast of Welcome to Geekdom and then I realized that we are not all always on this podcast yet. (laughs) I've been on this show like 10 times. We've done lots of Lost episodes here. Shane, we haven't talked much about Claire, who I know you really like as well. Do you have any Claire thoughts this season? You know, I feel bad for when everyone gets on the submarine, when they're trying to get to the submarine and leave Locke on the island, and leave not Locke, fake Locke, man in black Locke on the island. Uh, And they all get in the, the sub without Claire again. And Claire gets left behind again. And I feel bad for her. And even though she the the uh, when she makes the creepy baby out of yeah. island stuff, that part's a little much. I felt like they did her character a big disservice by the end of this show because in season six they kind of really went all in on she's the crazy mom who lost her kid, and you have this whole situation where it's kind of hard to tell if she's someone you can trust or not, especially for the main characters who had come to know her pretty well. And, you know, she saves Jin, which is obviously a good thing to do, but then she kills one of the temple guys because she thinks that they have Aaron at the temple. And then Kate has to tell her, no, I took your son And it's just this downward spiral that does make sense. But at the same time, I hated that they did it to her. I feel like my opinions on Claire probably won't be received well. Oh, well, at least you you don't only have negative thoughts on uh, Kate. Richard doesn't like any of the women. (laughs) I would like to point out. Richard, drop your Eloise thoughts. (laughs) Probably the best written female character on the show. Uh, No, I digress. 
I just feel like everyone, like the female character on this show would definitely done a disservice across the board. Like Claire was mainly there to be pregnant to begin with and then a mother to a baby and not really much else. And like Kate was the criminal and didn't really have anything else to do because she was a tertiary player to the Jack Locke struggle. Yeah, both the Jack Locke struggle and the very forced love triangle between Jack and Sawyer and her. I totally agree. Right. Just thinking about all the females on this show, the best character, the best female character on the show is probably Juliet. 100%. Son. And her her relationship with Sawyer is one of the better written relationships on this show. Like I really kind of loved, I really liked their pairing and like, you know, their relationship that kind of bloomed in the, the timeline skip to the seventies or whatever. She's definitely easily, easily the best female on this show. Everybody else is just, it just felt underwritten. hundred percent agree. But son, son and Juliet. Yeah. Son, son is definitely above that for oh, me. Yeah. I, I don't like Juliet that much, but I do like the way her conflict with Sawyer and his previous love triangle is written. But I think Sun is probably the the best written for me. Yeah. I like Juliet as a character, but I think it takes them a long time to figure out what exactly they're going to do with her. This show, I know that we haven't said this on this podcast before, and it's wild to me that we've gotten to this point without saying this. Just kidding. We've definitely talked about it. Um, but this show struggles to write female characters for long, right? Like every female character that's done well in this show, it either took them too long to figure out what to do with that character. Or once that character did something, they just kind of like didn't know what to do with that person next. That's pretty accurate though, of like a lot of television shows written by men, especially of this time period is it's like, wait, what do I do with this girl character that I made? And this is another reason why Deanna is such a fringe. <laughs> I think you hit on something there, though, Becky, because the longer the female characters were in the show, the less they knew what to do with them. Because mm-hmm. I thought Rose was pretty well written, but we don't see her nearly as much as Kate or Juliet. And I think that's why, because they Absolutely. didn't need to do as much with their characters so they could give you these, you know, little moments with her that I think worked really well because when you have her and Bernard and Vincent and they're on their own and then, you know, Desmond ends up with them at some point and it's just these quick moments with Rose. So it's like they didn't have enough time to screw it up. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I totally agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. But with Juliet, she did at least have a purpose going into it when we meet her character because She's doing this research, she's a fertility doctor, and of all of the female characters on the show, it's like, she kind of had the highest status, I would say, as far as just like her job and those kinds of things. Yeah, and they they build the most, they build a lot of mystery around her as well, like you don't really Mm -hmm. know if she's, which team she's on at first. Yeah, and the first, um, as soon as she kind of joins the main group when you're still kind of skeptical of her, it's a lot of her. I, I brought this up before the way they write her once she joins the, you know, the, the main group, it's, it's very smug. It's still reserved on what she's giving them. 
and she's she serves a purpose but it's it, it it's like they they don't know what they're going to do with her so they keep her very ambiguous but it, to me not in a very interesting way for a while not until season five I, I i don't think i'm very interested in what her character is doing i, I like i like how she's even even during the smugness it's just like it's the first time she's kind of being taken away from like civilization on the island and, and she's just like i don't i don't know she kind of just acts like she doesn't really have to prove anything to anybody because she really doesn't i i get that but it's the same it's this i brought it up on when we talked about when she was introduced it, it just seems like they're retreading the anna lucia introduction for so long with her yeah you're right all right so do we have anything else on the alternate timeline stuff because there is one more thing I want to talk about before we wrap up. Is it David Faraday hiring drive, drive shaft? <laughs> Daniel Faraday? Is that not what I said? Sorry. He said David Faraday. Uh, David Faraday, my good buddy. I met Daniel Faraday. <laughs> That's his brother. That is not what it was going to be about, but we can talk about that if you want, Nick. I, I just remember that there's some weird big, is it a wedding or just a party? There, it's some, it's another excuse for a bunch of people to get together in an AU. It's, it's very silly. I don't have much to say about it. I just think that that part of the flash sideways, it's, it's all very silly. What did you guys think before I get into the one big thing about Widmore and Eloise being married and then Dan and Penny being st- Step-siblings? Half-siblings? I don't even know. Everyone's related. Yeah, everyone's related. Everybody's their dad, whatever. I can't take Widmore as a character seriously. And the reason why it's not going to make sense to you guys, I don't think, or a lot of the listeners of this podcast, because it's a very English-slash-Australian reason. And that reason is? The guy who plays Widmore was on a TV soap called Neighbours, and he played a character called Jim Robinson. And he was like this... The family patriarch, who was kind of like one of the main characters of Neighbours. Um, it was like this Australian daytime soap that was on like five o'clock in the afternoon for me. Uh, and he dies of a heart attack in the show. But he was like such a beloved character because he was just so nice and wholesome and everyone wished he was his dad. So that when he turns up in Lost, everyone's just like, oh, it's, you know, it's Jim from Neighbours. And I just can't see him as anything but this TV TV soap character. So he tries to he tries to be all evil and benevolent in this show, and I'm like, now nah, you're gonna die of a heart attack, mate, and everyone's gonna love you. Becky, any thoughts from you? Not about Lost, but Richard, what is this soap opera that you're talking me about, and why do you know so much about it? Did you watch it on that vacation you were talking about earlier? Yeah, I, I have a I have a VPN, so I would I would watch all the English English daytime soaps when you were living in West LA. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, though, if you guys haven't seen Neighbors, you should check some stuff out on on uh, YouTube. That shit fucking slaps. They had to call it Bad Neighbors in England because everyone associated Neighbors with the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's Bad Neighbors. <laughs> well, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the near destruction of the island. That seems like an important thing that we have not discussed because we talked about how they were looking for replacements for Jacob and the man in black. And because of science reasons, Desmond was the only one who was able to move this stone pillar that was like underground, but water was flowing. And I don't 
really know what happened, but... It all means nothing, Deanna. That's all you need to understand. It just means nothing. It was a cool visual, and they had no other idea what to do. No, no, no. It's a quirk. Yeah. It's a cool... Yeah, they, they may as well have just popped a fucking champagne bottle for what it actually meant. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the cork. In, to, uh, it's to go back to that metaphor with the wine bottle. It's the, the wine cork. And the evil got That's out. what the stone yeah. pillar is. Yep. It's, uh, yep, it's a quirk. And, uh, you know, the evil's getting out. Because you see it, you see it get out when the water drains. That is all symbolism. You're welcome, guys. It's perfect symbolism. We we all know that it works. It's it's a water in the cork. It's the it's the symbolism we all know. We've known it forever. Yep. And now uh, and now and now Locke can get off the island. Not Locke can get off the island. So it wasn't just me. That was just sort of a thing that happened, and you were like, okay. Oh yeah, I was super into it for the when you know when did they bring it up? Like two episodes before the show ended. Super into it right when they brought it up. Perfect timing. This just goes back to my opinion. They just made shit up on the fucking spot and none of it matters. <laughs> this whole season a fucking car crash. No, no, no. It's great. I love this show. Yeah, I love that we have now collectively spent like at minimum like six to 12 hours just donking on this show that we're like, oh, I love it. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it more my second my second watch through. I love this show. I don't think we dunked on the whole thing. No, no, I know. But I just, it's funny. It's funny when you think about it. Like we've, we've spent like a large chunk of time being like, oh, they did this wrong or, oh, they should have done this differently or, oh, this part was dumb. And then so at the end, it's like, oh, so you didn't like it, right? And we're like, no, this is like one of the best shows of all time. (laughs) Well, I didn't say that. I said I liked it. (laughs) Well, I did. And Nicholas did. And Richard did. And Shane did. I I didn't. That's like, uh, I remember seeing a thing. I I don't remember what it was from, but it was was just, you you guys got to watch Twin Peaks. Half of it's terrible. It's the best show ever made. (laughs) And that's how I feel about Lost. it's, It's almost the exact same thing. So yeah. we, uh, I don't know if we're ready for this yet. We're ready. We're going to start wrapping up. Go for it, Nick. So I can't remember. Did Shane or Richard bring up, and I and I tried to halt them, the man in charge? I did. Yeah, I brought that up. Yeah, the epilogue. So yeah, the, it's, it's the epilogue to the series, and I don't know if, if you've seen it, Deanna. If it was not on Hulu, I did not see it. I have not either. I do not know if it's on Hulu. I don't think it was. I didn't see it. Yeah, that's the only reason I brought it up. I thought it might have been that extra, like you know, fifteen minutes that you that you saw on Hulu. Yeah, because it's it's about twelve minutes long. It's it's I've I've only watched it on YouTube. I don't know what where it was included. If it was on a box set or if it ever aired anywhere. Okay, well, I will say this: I remember the episode ending with the whole big like funeral thing. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it happens after that then. Uh Yeah. So, uh, again, I don't know what this was included as. This is a thing that I watched after finishing the series. I watched it as it aired up to about season four, and then I rewatched everything I had seen and the ending in 2011, I think. This is something I watched when I finished it just on YouTube. It's called Lost the new man in charge. It's a 12-minute video, and it begins in a Dharma packing warehouse mm-hmm. where where people are packing 
packages, uh, presumably, that will be dropped in the in the island, a island, who knows? Uh, ben Linus is there as kind of the manager of the packing station, I believe. Um, you see another orientation video with our friend Miles' dad, uh, with more information. Again, I haven't watched it fully in a while. There, there, there's more context drop, not necessarily more information. And then it cuts to a an institution similar to the one that Hurley and Libby were in, where Walt is there as his current age. Okay. So, you know, post-puberty, hanging out there. He has a visitor. It's Ben Linus. And then they go out and they meet the new man in charge. And Walt goes out and it's Hurley. And Hurley is the one who's now in charge of the island. That definitely was not the extra stuff included in the extended finale. Yeah. Uh, you know, a few years after the series ended, and it seems like a tee up for something or just a send up. But I, I don't, I, I really don't have the context of how this, how and when this footage was filmed and included. I looked it up and it said it was basically released only with the DVD of season six and then the complete collection. Okay. It answers the question of who of these numbered lists of survivors is going to take over the island and all that. It gives a little bit of closure to Walt, but not much. It continues to build on Ben Linus being able to get out of anything. (laughs) I think it's a much better ending if that had been the actual ending to the series even even if the church scene had been included and then it ended with this i think everybody would have been a lot happier i would agree with that adding this adding this to the main show i think would have gone a long way to to kind of squirrel this away as a dvd extra was a bit of a a bum choice yeah it's like it's i don't want to call it fan service but it's like just like such a more triumphant way to end the season, the series than what they did. Right. And they had all these extra um, online vignettes, I think around this season or maybe a prior season. It was just like these short kind of five minute pieces that were about the Dharma initiative that kind of had like Chang and all the, the orientation films and all this kind of stuff. It was part of that like AR meta game that they were running at the same time. And right. I think like, this last one is the one that most people kind of should have seen and feel like like unique. Like if they'd attacked this onto the end, I think like the the hatred of season six would have been a little bit less. Yeah, it's like even even if they had just done it as like a Marvel style after the credits aired, like people just would have left feeling a little bit better about the entire series, right? Hmm. Yeah, I know the four of you have said that you really, really like this show, and obviously it's the four of you who convinced me to watch it. And while I don't think this is one of my favorite shows ever, because I love shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul a lot more than this, I did enjoy it, even though it has lots of problems. I think it's okay for shows to have problems. But I think the experience of watching it and texting all of you while I was watching it and then doing these podcasts also made me enjoy it a little more. Yeah, I think this is definitely a show that was made for the... Like the group watch? 
Yeah, or the way that shows were viewed at the time rather than just running through it all and not reflecting as much. So I think even if you're kind of marathoning this, having somebody to bounce these things off of is good for how this show is perceived. Yeah, this is a show I think designed for the water cooler moment and watching Mm -hmm. this week by week and kind of discussing with friends who are watching it along with you, like, you know, what do you think is going to happen? What does this mean? Like this show kind of works really well for that. But if you're like smashing out, you know, six, eight episodes a day, every day or whatever for a few weeks, I think you can see the cracks in it a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. Like this, I think I would put this show in my top 10, maybe top five shows of all time. Okay. But it has, it has like definite, problems and weaknesses that I would happily admit to like I would never I would never defend this show if someone hated it like I wouldn't be like oh I can't believe you hate Lost like all right cool you hate Lost that is totally acceptable that is a valid valid opinion if you don't like this show but I do still love it I'm just glad I didn't disappoint all of you (laughs) I think yeah I think I agree with Richard it is even if you don't like it as much as we do the fact that you're willing to watch it and then set aside all the time to talk to us about it in the chat and talk to us about it on this podcast is what we all want. Well, does anyone have any final thoughts here? Watch Fringe. Watch Fringe. And also, also you plugged uh, Better Call Saul, which is underrated. And it's Kim so Wexler is the best written character currently on TV. And if she doesn't get an fucking Emmy next year. I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> She's so good. She's so good. Watching it again for my second time through, I, I definitely enjoyed it more. I, I was actually la- like, I remember specifically disliking things and watching it a second time and being like, what was, what was my problem with that in the first place? Like the Richard uh, Alpert episode, which I've talked a lot of shit about. After you get through like the first 15 minutes, which is just Richard riding a horse in different places, <laughs> you get so much of Richard riding a horse. Yeah. And then and then you find you get a lot of him just saying uh, – he just says Isabella a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That episode didn't bother me in the end. It's actually pretty good. I liked it. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> I'm yelling it. It's a good show. It's a good show. Becky, anything from you? Yeah, the show is good, and if you don't like it, you're wrong. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, thank you all for joining me. Richard, we're all very glad that you were able to make it for the final episode here. I'm I'm, I'm glad I was able to make it too, and uh, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this, Deanna, but if you do ever run a Patreon, I will read my university dissertation on this show that only covers the first three seasons because I'm that fucking idiot. I do have a Patreon and we are going to do that. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I cannot wait. You, you just signed up for it, Richard. <laughs> okay, I, I, will, I will read my entire 10,000 word dissertation on this show as it was written in 2007 <laughs> by a 20... 20- 22, 23-year-old me. Can't wait. What's and all. It's, it'll be fucking horrendous, but I will do it if you really want me to. Just to see how wrong I was about everything. <laughs>
would be would be quite a quite a sight to see, I'm sure. I was only kind of sort of wrong, but mostly right, so that's okay by me. My favorite part of you predicting things, Deanna, was when you said like these timelines are getting too confusing. Like I think on episode two, and we were just like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It was a very fun time. So again, thank you all. I'm sure all four of you will be back for various different things on this podcast. As Becky said, she's been on 18 episodes already. What's up? All right, everyone. That does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.